Hi, this episode is for people that are just starting out in their journey. I was recently asked a few questions from a mom who's pregnant. I get asked these questions all the time. I have done many podcasts, writings, uh, sharing, answering comments and questions, and using all I can social media to answer these questions. And they come up all the time, almost daily. And I'm going to address them. I'm going to be pretty blunt um, and then quick. I don't have tons of time, but I really want to address them again. And I have many ways of just sharing them. So please look at my daughter's site at Wisdom Over Worry. Read some of the posts. Maybe search in there, Full Intervention, Full Code. Read what comes up. And then listen to my previous podcast too, because I have many. And this is a very complicated topic. So I'm going to get a little philosophical here. There are specific things that you need to do to help your child live. I don't know if if you realize or remember anytime you go into the ER or maybe you have a baby or you go into the hospital, you may be asked by the person that's admitting you, do you have an advanced directive? Do you have, um, you know, a list of your wishes in case you pass? Are you a donor? Those type of things, which I myself am guilty of always saying, no, no, and I never even think about it, and I don't want to discuss it, and I don't address it. So I am the same. I have still not even made a living will for myself. Um, I will. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, But you as a pregnant mom with a trisomy 18 child or a T13 child or a CHD, congenital heart disease child, you are absolutely entering into the world of responsibility and you have to you have to make this for your child I call them care plans I will constantly tell new parents especially pregnant moms create a great care plan uh, you can see examples of them from other parents we're always happy to share them but your care plan basically says what you want and it's in clear enough lingo medical terms that they can understand it. Um, They speak a very different language. It's really easy to figure out. Um, And you put this care plan together. That care plan is your shield. And that care plan can be there um, as a rock solid truth amongst chaotic days and confusion and hard days. It's very important. Um, What your care plan will have on it is what you wish for your child you cannot be so vague I'm going to draw a line in the sand for the sake of time and I'm going to say there are two camps which actually there's a whole lot of gray area but we're going to talk black and white right now one side is no interventions The belief that to put a child on a vent would be cruel and leave the hospital and the parents in a predicament because a vent would just be shoved down a child's throat. They would never know love. They would be on this machine that's keeping them alive. And then there's this body to deal with. 
and they feel like for our child, for a child with trisomy 18, 13, severe CHD, um, other things too, children that maybe um, drowned, brain damage, um, but I'm going to specifically talk about rare trisomy. For our children, for years, the belief was you take this basically brain-dead thing and to appease the parents who have no clue what they're asking for, they will put them on a vent and everyone will suffer. The parents, the baby, society, the institution, that's really the belief. I don't share that belief. There's another side. Our children are medically complex. Trisomy 18 children, when they are born, need cares very similar to what a preterm baby would need. Many of our children do amazing. I am actually amazed at the number of little babies that are born. They call them neonates, so I do that too. I'll call a small baby a neonate. It just works better to use their language. So a neonate is born like a preterm child. Trisomy 18 has something called inner uterine growth delay. If you are a pregnant or expecting parent, or if you have a brand new baby, um, why don't you go ahead and write this stuff down? So your neonate will be born like a preterm child. It will need support with respiratory or at least uh, intensive care, which is IC care, monitoring and cares. Your child will need assistance in feeding and your child will need um, to be heavily treated for any things that might arise. For this, I call my daughter full intervention, meaning they are to look at her as they would any baby, any preterm baby, and meet her medical needs. They're not to imagine her as this brain-dead 18-year-old that parents kept on a vent for years because that's what they see. That's what they think. And their trauma, their education, what they've seen, children they've seen live in the hospital and suffer, they carry all that with them and they almost project it onto you. And as you're asking for your child to have full intervention from cannula to just oxygen up their nose to chest tube to chest compressions to even open heart surgery they say no because they envision this failing body vegetable person that you're asking to poke and prod and prolong a life that is not worth living so since that is the core belief that they have, it becomes very challenging to get um, your side and your view and your dreams for your child accomplished. Many, many times I have heard stories from parents, and I lived it, of care saying, fine, fine, we'll try. But they're already frustrated and they already feel like it's all done in vain and eventually they lose patience and they say no more and it leaves you trapped it leaves you trapped in care that you trusted for a while that you felt agreed to your circumstances but if they are not fully transparent and they are not passionate about treating your child like a typical child 
they will burn out, they will give up, and they will raise the flag and say, today's the day we're done. That is so common in our community. That is so scary. That is something that we are working and working and working to change. But a lot of it starts with you, the parent. So you go in pretty calculated and pretty planned. Your care plan. Your care plan needs to have that you are aware your child has rare trisomy. You are aware that your child will have severe developmental delays. Then your own child has their own markers, their own medical needs. These are actually separate diagnoses. You can't just call this T18. So you want to look at it from uh, what you literally already know. If your child has an omphalocele, if your child has spina bifida or um, needs a neurosurgeon, if your child has a congenital heart disease, you need a heart surgeon. If your child has cysts in their brain and their brain looks like it did not develop correctly or typically, um, you want to have consults with neurology. You already are beginning to formulate who and what you need for your specific child's care and you start to put that on your care list. That can be in a section called consults. For me, I found it easiest to say pretty quickly to everyone, my daughter is to be full code, full intervention, and stabilized so that we can consult with specialists. If you say that, they know what you mean and they need to do it. Um, So if you say that and the person laughs at you and tells you, oh, this is a trisomy 18, you have no idea, or "Eh, nah, we don't do that for these kids, you need a different hospital. Unfortunately, most hospitals get there anyways, and we have to battle that. But if before they've even seen your child or assessed your child after they've been born and they're saying that, that hospital's not for you. The first hospital I interviewed with that I was supposed to go to that were the specialists in our area for trisomy 18, according to them, um, said absolutely no to intubation to intubating my daughter and they said absolutely no to heart surgery ever it they weren't even a let's wait and see it was no never not a t18 i you know somebody asked me recently their care does not seem nice or fair friendly when do you switch doctors immediately um A way I was able to switch doctors was I went, contacted the geneticist who gave me the information that my child had T18. I never met with her. I never wanted to. We only talked on the phone. Then when I needed her, I gave her a call and I told her, I cannot deliver here. It doesn't align with anything that I believe in for the care of my daughter. And I called her my daughter. I called her my baby. I um, also, in their medical paperwork, I would say my this neonate will have interuterine growth delay. And we are aware that she will probably be inpatient anywhere from three to five months, even first year of life, as we seek stabilization till her heart is repaired or surgeon clears her to go home. So I was always 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 very clear we were not hospice we were not going home on hospice we were a baby that had a chd that was going to get heart repair and that is the only way i talked 
A song I added to this podcast is A Million Dreams from The Greatest Showman. You gotta dream big, but you have to be passionate about it. So take your time to meet other families, learn their stories, watch what life is like for people with a child with trisomy 18, trisomy 13. And if you're on board and if you want that, then you speak life for it, you dream big for it, you look at all the hurdles and you ask for them. I had many opportunities where I could have let my child go. Rose may have a day that it's her time to go. I have not seen it yet. At least 20, probably at least 20 care providers have seen it in Rose. I never have. So you have to get strong with yourself. You have to get strong in your conviction. You have to get, um, for me, I got strong in my faith. And from there, you can dream big for your child and you can get them what they need. With your care plan, with referrals to better care, um, some misconceptions a lot of pregnant parents have. They either love or hate their OB and they think that that doesn't really matter because um, maybe the people that hate their OB maybe think the hospital will come in as more helpful and the people that love their OB think maybe their OB can help their baby. A perientologist or an OB, obstetrician, the person that delivers your baby does not save your neonate. One, they are your doctor. They are that baby's doctor to deliver. But as soon as that baby is a separate entity from you, it is your neonatology team that will save your baby. It is the intensive care unit they are on that will stabilize your baby. It is the dignified surgeons and professionals that you seek based on good recommendations from the trisomy community and soft who will then do things that keep the longevity of your child alive. So you need to think OB or perinatologist, neonatologist. Then you need to have your specialists. Day in, day out, nursing care must be fair. Everyone must know your full code, full intervention. That nurse that's bedside must know to grab the bag and start bagging your child should they need it. All the way down to chest compressions if that's what you want. And you need to be clear. All that can be done on your birth plan. And respiratory support. Respiratory support runs from O2 cannula in the nose all the way down to chest tube. Um... And then the interventions, if a child codes, code would mean that they stop breathing, that they are definitely at risk for dying. They have coded. Um, if you do nothing, your child will pass. You have levels of what they can do. Um, my daughter is to receive bag, chest compressions, everything. My daughter's full code. They are to fully resuscitate her. Um, so I constantly assert that um let's see what else so you make your care plan you interview your care providers you might be given a little tour of a NICU they might have a um, nurse give you a tour make sure you see a neonatologist and you show your care plan make sure you're still accepted now these are almost like colleges you actually have to get accepted 
when you have a baby, there's actually phone calls made and things done to figure out which unit in a hospital your child goes to. For years, our children have not gone to units. They have remained in the room to pass. They have gone to comfort care rooms. They have gone um, maybe very passive care in a NICU and then back to a room to meet family as they pass. That has been the standard of care for trisomy 18. That has been what most doctors know. Actually, most doctors know nothing because they're not even involved. Um, Maybe hospice nursing, um, maybe an attending to get the specifics down for comfort with the child pass, but maybe the child just does very, very well and gets to get sent home. But it's not very common that parents seek and get intensive cares for their kids. You will see preemies getting intensive care. You will see heart children getting intensive care, maybe in the CVICU. You'll see children in the PICU recovering from surgeries to help them so that the longevity of their life is there and the quality of their life can be there. You will not see many trisomy 18, trisomy 13 in those units. This is revolutionary. This is a time of change. We are insisting on it, and it is changing. There are many children old living with T18, many. There was just a thread the other day on our trisomy page of all these moms talking about how they lift their adult children, you know, and I was seeing ages of 30 and 20 and 40 and 50. Um, So don't believe that our children do not live. Our children can live. Our children need stellar medical care, especially as neonates. Okay. Respiratory is very important. Feeding is very important. Um, Our children tend to be weak and sleepy and tired just as they already know how to take care of a preemie, a preterm baby. It's similar with our children. They're often started on TPN, which is fluids and nutrition through an IV. And then an NG tube can be placed, which is a small tube that goes down their nose into their stomach and delivers their food that way. You can absolutely give your breast milk. Sometimes they fortify it to get growth and calories into the child as the child is um, struggling so much to grow and stabilize. And uh, we did go ahead and choose to fortify roses, but she did get my breast milk. That was a very tense time. We watched that closely. Feeding can bring on complications, so they don't like to start it right away. Feeding did bring on complications for Rose. She did spit up, aspirate, um, what else? Uh, reflux caused a lot of DSATs, a lot of confusion and um, fear on my part. As I learned, as I knew, as I saw the way it works, it no longer was scary to me, but it took some time. So feeding is kind of complicated, kind of not. You just have to kind of go through it. But for me, my dream, my ultimate goal was my daughter have full feeds to her correct caloric needs. Um, Her being a heart baby, she did not have too much fluid. She went on a drug called Lasix to take the fluid off so that her heart didn't have to work too hard. But we were determined that feeds were uh, watched and um, done wisely. Another thing that happened to my daughter, she definitely was jaundiced. I looked at her, she was yellow. Um, My other children did not have jaundice. As she got yet golder and golder, it was me that insisted we test for jaundice. And then when she did have it, they literally did not even bring up the lights or the treatment for it, and I insisted. 
So keep your eye open for things like that. And once I insisted and got real strong, we got them. And um, what happened with Rose is by six weeks, this home hospital was done. They were done appeasing me. They were done giving my child full care. They saw it pointless. They denied heart repair. I had actually a surgeon. The whole reason we're at that hospital is well pregnant. I found a surgeon that would treat my daughter. And he was given the no more. So we were no longer to have access to our surgeon. We were no longer to have full code. So should my daughter ever need to be intubated again, they would not do it again. Um, They were done. And so their goal was to get her remotely stable enough to send her home or slowly withhold everything till she passed there in the hospital. So for a couple days, I thought I had to choose between slowly starving and over-medicating my child till she died or bringing her home and, and introducing her to family and friends and caring for her every day until she died there. So I just decided to not move and I said, we won't leave till we have heart repair. And if you can't do it, here's consults. So what you also need, you need a list of consults. I like at least three, have three consults. You're gonna have to decide some of this stuff. Is your child a heart baby? Do you need to consult heart surgeons? Is your NICU so bad? Do you need to know a fair NICU places to consult with? Um, Whatever you're consulting on, really, you're gonna have to decide. You know your needs, you know your child's needs. Um, A heart child, I don't care where they are, even if, even when I was in Omaha, I still had my consult list good and ready to go because not one institution decides my daughter's life. So my consults were many. I had almost every major level four children's hospital in the state I live in. Then I had lists of hospitals that other parents had told me gave fair care and heart repair for trisomy 18. And then I had Omaha, Nebraska because my dear friend was currently there and I watched her daughter go through a life flight from Tennessee over to Nebraska over to successful heart repair. So I had them as well. Missouri and Nebraska were my out-of-states. Okay, so um, I hope that helps. You will have to have your care plan. You'll have to have your um, connection of who can maybe refer you to a different OB, perinatologist, doctor, if you are getting just terrible care. You will need a referral to the neonatologist at the um, hospital you deliver at. You will need to share with them a really nice care plan that you've put together that's articulate, that's clear, that is um, what you want. And then you need to sit with them and you need to get them to agree that they will do that. If they won't, you need to hit up the next one and the next one and the next one. You need to find a hospital that will honor your care plan. Even if they do, you need to know that something called futility law can have them at any moment go against your care plan and not do it and do what they see is best. So at that point, you also need your consult list. You even need your consult list before that. You need to be aware of who your unit director is. You need to meet them. You need to shake their hand. You need to hand them your consult list. You need to say we are seeking everything from stabilization to surgeries for our child. If you are not able to do these things, We want her stabilized so we can consult and leave. You need to ask your unit director if they have a case manager or a social worker. Um, 
I like case managers better than social workers. That's our hospital. That's my experience. Case managers get more done, get it done quicker, faster, can do more things with state insurance, can even help sign you up for state insurance. Sometimes when your baby's born, you may not even know your state has a particular insurance that helps with people that have um, extreme medical bills. Here in California at CCS, um, you... Sometimes T18, they don't even mention the program. They don't even apply our kids because they don't even see our kids living. So you want that too. You want to talk to a case manager. They're usually used at discharge or to get you things for home. So with your little baby that they assume may just pass inpatient, they're not usually getting you really hooked up with a case manager unless they're sending you straight home on hospice. And then they just hand you to a hospice company. So, um... I would definitely shake that unit manager's hand, ask for the card and the names of the case managers, let them know your consults, let them know your insurance, let them know you're out of there if um, they can't give you full care, full code. So you need open communication. Um, You wanna know the best way to get your medical records. If they'd like to do it for you with your consults, you still wanna be alerted to everything they sent. Um, You're aware your medical records are your rights. You also have every right to head down to medical records in your hospital building or maybe just close to your hospital and request your own medical records. There's a form you can fill out. Sometimes while inpatient, it can get tricky, but you can get specific. You can put a date of a specific echo and you can ask for it. If they don't want to give case notes till you discharge, that's one thing, but your records belong to you. They're your right. So... Uh, get used to talking that way and get used to getting them. I like to get my daughter's echoes all sent to her surgeon who's out of state. So anyone that does an echo of my daughter already knows that a copy of that echo is being sent on disc to her surgeon in Omaha, Nebraska. His name, his address are handed over to everyone. Handed over to unit director, case manager, charge nurse, in the room, piles of them. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the way we work. We went back home from out of state fair care, which we got amazing care. We learned better, so we want better. And that's the way I go. I go armed in. We are back at a hospital that was fine with my daughter dying, which stepped aside as she struggled for air and said no more. So you can imagine how scary that is. We are back totally dependent on them. When we're inpatient, we're in their care. So I bring my list of consults. I bring my copy of Simon's Law. Simon's Law is a law stating parental autonomy. It is the caregiver and the parent's right to decide um, life-saving measures for their child. I bring that. I assure everybody she is not to have a DNR in her chart. I am to have access to her chart and I am to have all my medical records sent to the specialist I need them sent to. Hope this helps somebody. Um, Take care, guys, and you can absolutely do this.